0: The following message, God's Plan Consists of a Unified People, was based on Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-22. through 22. This message was delivered on Sunday morning, October sixteenth, two 2022, to Emmanuel Reformed Baptist Church of Setac, Washington, by Pastor Creston Thomas of Christ the Redeemer Church of Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Good morning again, and again, thank you for this uh, great opportunity to be able to bring God's Word before you. If you have a copy of God's Word, join me again in Ephesians chapter 2. And, uh, we're gonna be looking at now at verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 Therefore remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands that at the time you were without Christ been alien from the commonwealth of Israel stranger from the covenant of promise having no hope and without God and the world but now in Christ Jesus, you once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments containing ordinances, so as to create him in himself one new man from two, thus making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby put into death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near, for through him we both have access by the Spirit to the Father. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been brought, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In the last verse, verse 22, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God. In the Spirit, let us pray once again. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you again, our Father, the Creator. We come to you, Lord, because we have access by your Son, who has redeemed us to himself. But also, Lord, we come to you, Lord, by the power of your Spirit, who bonds us together. So, Lord, the triune God who we come to right now, Lord, we ask you to give us a word. Encourage us, enrich us, Lord, at this time. Build us up as a people. Build us up as a church. That, Lord, we can walk in holiness and our lives can be formed to you. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, sanctify us through your word. So let your word go forth in power. Hide me behind the cross. Let me find my dependence on you alone. Not not my own knowledge or my own efforts or my own works, but Lord, let me, Lord, find my rest in you at this time and build your people. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. Amen. Last year, we visited this area, and one of the things that I always wanted to see was Mount Rainier. And so yesterday, we had a chance to head out to Mount Rainier. And as we was heading out, we was getting closer and closer to the mountain. The mountain was getting bigger and bigger as we were getting closer to it. And we met a gentleman that hikes Mount Rainier pretty often. Uh, We met a gentleman. I was so overwhelmed with seeing all the evergreen trees and, and nature. And so I asked the gentleman about his hiking adventures through Mount Rainier. He said he has hiked this mountain up and down, and I think he might use the name of the Cascades. He went up and down the Cascades, and he has seen all types of different wildlife throughout his adventure. So, me being southern, right, southern folks always speaking and talking to everybody. And so for me, it was like, hey, man, that sounds pretty awesome. Would you be interested in, if I came back to Seattle, hey, can I hike this with you? And I'm over excited. You know, at the time, I wasn't thinking about the bears and lions and all the other stuff. (laughs) So for me, it was like, hey, I'm excited. I really want to see this. I was so amazing. And so the guy replied with, and he kind of mentioned that, hey, well, it's good to read about this Mount Rainier or see about the Cascades on pictures, but to really. To really get a glimpse of it, you have to hike it yourself. And I think as he was saying that, it had me thinking of that hiking it myself, I was able to see so many other beautiful things that he's able to see on his different hiking adventure. I think this is very similar to what is happening in our verses 11 through 22 here in Ephesians. I think Paul is now is encouraging the Ephesian church uh, To see for yourself what the Lord is doing. We have read about it. We have talked about it. But do you truly believe what the Lord is doing? So Paul is encouraging them to actually see it. James Montgomery Board says this right here. He said in chapter one, it gives us the past, the present, and future of God's great plan of salvation. Chapter two gives us the past, present, and future of the person's Christ saves. So we see this grandeur plan of God, and all of these things are components of God's plan. It's God one plan. that God to get the glory. that God to be glorified, right? So that it is a glory of that. For God, glory alone. So for God to get the glory, what does that look like in this plan? Well, this plan consists of one ultimate God getting the glory. But what, how is this plan is revealed? How this plan is kind of revealed, and it's so many things that are revealing about this plan. And so we just mentioned a few moments ago in Sunday school that God's plan of has revealed through us being dead in our trespasses. We were dead in sin. We wasn't searching after God. So this God's plan for Him to get the glory to to have a people that are set aside for Himself, of people that are righteous, that are people that are that, that are serving God, that are done to self. If that's part of the plan that our people from brought to death, to life, that are in Christ. Paul want to go further than that is that it's more that brings about this plan as well. Not for us just being dead in Christ that brings about this plan or a part of this plan, but also the church. The the church, the body of Christ, being one in Christ is part about bringing about this glorious plan of God's glory. Again, I am convinced that Paul in this, Paul is encouraging them. He is encouraging the church. And again, if um, this letter, Ephesians, is actually a letter. It's a letter. It's a epistle. You know, we have different genre of text. We have narrative, uh, which is Genesis, Exodus, Matthew, Mark, a narrative. This genre is a letter to the church. And you, when you write a letter to someone, it's dealing with something, right? You want to encourage them. You want to tell them you haven't heard from them in a while. You want to build them up. And so Paul is just not writing just a general letter. Paul is writing a letter because he knows what Christians go through. For Paul being himself, a man of God that has suffered in and out through the book of Acts, you know, getting stoned, right? People have rejected him, right, over and over again. And so Paul is writing to them is that we know suffering is near to the Christian church. But, hey, these words can help you whenever suffering comes. But one thing that can help you is, we talked about in Ephesians 2, is in the beginning from verses 1 through 10, one thing that can help you is they've been dead in trespasses, but God, right, God being rich in mercy. Then it goes on to say, for by grace you have been saved. That one part of this you can be encouraged by is that you couldn't save yourself. But guess what? I did. I saved you. So if I saved you, family, I can keep you. That's a good thing about salvation is that part of this plan is that God's gonna save a people and God's gonna keep a people. Now another part of this plan from 11 through 12 as we walk through it, not only that God's gonna save a people and keep a people, God's not gonna leave us to ourselves. God is going to give us a united body of Christ. So for us, as we walk through this, be encouraged today. That If you want to be encouraged, come to church. Be a part of the body of Christ. If you want to be encouraged, to commit yourself, submit yourself to the leadership here. If you want to be encouraged, see how God has broken all the walls of hostility. That's what he's going to be doing in this test. So let me... Walk through this. We're going to walk through this in in three points again. We're going to see in verses 11 and 12, we're going to see the Gentiles are part of this plan of God. Then verses 14 and 18, we're going to see it was God's plan for the church to be one in Christ. And the last thing we're going to end up with this morning in 19 and 22, God's plan was for his people to be a holy people. So let's jump right into. The first part is in 11 and 12. The Gentiles are part of this plan of God. Look back in verse 11. Therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being alienated from the commonwealth wealth of Israel, strangers from the covenant promise, having no hope, And without God in the world. As Paul again encouraged the church to see what God sees in them. Right? And what Paul sees in them as a body of people that are truly faithful to God's word. Now he continued to do this by now recalling them to remember what God had done for the people that was considered not his people. So remember now. The Gentile was Not his people, but now they're his people. So use the word right here. That starts off with therefore. Therefore is followed by the word remember. This remembering points them to the history of being Gentiles. Again, Ephesus, Ephesians, is in um, this Asia of Asia. It's the area of Asia. And this was a mostly Gentile place. And so in Acts, you remember in Acts, uh, near around by the 20th chapter of Acts, Ephesus was known for this amazing statue, one of the great wonders of the world, I believe, that people would go to and actually pay homage to. So it was a very wicked Gentile place. And Ephesian, Ephesus place was a place that was coming for many people throughout the Roman world to go visit Ephesus. And so this Ephesian church was in the middle of this Gentile world. Matter of fact, the actual Ephesian church is made up of Gentiles. And the Gentiles were known of a lot of idolatry, sensuality. Their desires were not the things of God. But also God told his people to, to stay away from these uncircumcised people in the past. So the Gentiles were people that were not seeking the things of God in the past. And the word uncircumcision deals with People of the Gentile community. But the people that were of the faithful community in the Old Testament, they are marked by circumcision. So you remember that the Gentiles were the people that were of the flesh. So throughout the Old Testament, the people of God was Israel. The Gentiles were considered hostile towards Israel throughout the Old Testament, they didn't receive the promises of God. But God was kind towards Israel, and at time you guys know Israel actually looked like the Gentiles. But for the most part, though, is that Israel was set aside for God. We can look right now as one example of the life of Abraham. We always use, you know, an amazing text in Romans how Abraham was a man of faith. At that time Abraham struggled. He was doubtful at time when Sarah at the time wasn't able to give birth and for him to lead his home and say, hey no, I'm not gonna go into the Hagar, Abraham gave in. And what happened here? Abraham didn't lead his family well. And now Hagar was uh gave birth to Ishmael. And so at times those that we have seen the people of God, I've gotten no on track. And not just Abraham. We have seen it with other stories and everything. We have saw people getting off track with David and go all the way through. But for the most part, how people in the Old Testament would get off track and forget the, the covenant promises and trust in the Lord, the Lord still never left them. He was still with, good with them. He might have gave them hard discipline at the time. He was there to them. We saw this in the picture with David and going against the the huge Philistines. Right, the Philistine coming coming in, and everyone else in Israel is getting fearful. And David comes in and not fearing, and David trusts the Lord, and David conquered over the Philistines. See the story of Ruth, right, and her husband been left, her husband passing away, and that took away of desperation and a a, a fear that comes in, and God comes in, preserve and brings about Boaz. Well, amazing story of the Babylonian captivity. How the Old Testament people were etched out away their brokenness and unfaithfulness, but God still set aside His true people for Himself. So we have seen throughout the Old Testament that God has focused on bringing about this Israel people. And the reason why this happened within this timeline, it wasn't that Israel was so beautiful, but God has promised that the Messiah is going to come from this lineage of Israel. Because later on, John the Baptist is going to mention that it's going to be people that are of Israel, right, Are broad vipers. They're not the true people of God. But the true people of God are the people of faith. And the people of faith are going to be the people in the Old Testament that God is going to use to bring about the Messiah. And we saw this happen when the Messiah came, right? He came through the Jewish people. And when the Gentiles in the midst of this were set apart, right, the Gentile wasn't part of this. In the Old Testament, if the Gentiles want to be a part of the covenant people of God, they have to be proselyted in. They have to keep, you know, the same ritual of Judaism or Israelites. They would have to be circumcised. They would have to do these certain things to be covenant in. And so the Gentiles for themselves, like, they wasn't a part of this commonwealth of Israel. But we see in verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The Gentile, you are now part of this family now. Yeah, you are proud of it. Yes, you can come to the family reunion. You can come in, Gentiles. Not because of the circumcision of the flesh, like proselytism. But you are brought in because the circumcision of the heart. That God has set apart now some Gentiles for himself. For us today, do we think about this great grace daily of Gentiles? Paul is not just trying to bring up their past to to drown them in this. He brings up their past for them to be appreciative that you were Gentiles, you wasn't even part of this. But guess what? God brought you into this, and you weren't even thinking about coming to this. You were dead. You weren't even thinking about coming into. The people of God, you were dead in your trespasses. He brings us to Himself. But not only you that were dead in your trespasses, you have and we use the word I don't know if you guys have heard we call it a double whammy. So you were dead in your trespasses and you were a Gentile. You was dead in your trespasses, and you were a Gentile. He, Paul lays it about for them and said, so you have two reasons now to be really grateful. But you can't be grateful if you don't remember what happened. So Paul is calling them to remember what happened as you remember what happened. It's going to cause you to be grateful. That's why daily we should recall the things of old. I don't know how you guys are doing it. I always try to remember, and I mentioned earlier that I try to write down about ten things every morning. What well, God has been good. How God has been good. I think that helps us because the word in Hebrew for, you know, we get the word Zechariah. It's the word Zakar. Zakar, We hear the word remember all the time. Zakar I means remember in Hebrew. Remember, remember. We even take communion, right? First Corinthians, like 11. It talks about what? Remember, remember. All throughout the Old Testament, the Lord is calling us to remember because we are forgetful people. We are very forgetful. And when we forget things, what? We boast in self. When we forget what God has done, we say, hey, I think I did this. I think I did this. And so Paul has kind of encouraged them that, hey, remember where you come from. Remember where you come from. As you remember where you come from, it's going to set the stage on what does it mean to be one in Christ. And so he's going to get ready and move about being one in Christ. But first, as you remember individually what God has done for you, collectively, Family, we are a people that are together down the to self. No division in the church. Because everyone is thankful and grateful. Division comes when people are not grateful and thankful. So he moves on. To, the second part is in verses 14 and 18. It was God's plan for the church to be one in Christ. It says in verse 14, For he himself is our peace. And he uses like this apposition here, like this, You know, I don't know if it's reflective. What what he's saying is that not just Jesus our peace, it's a he himself emphasis here, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. Not only should the Gentile remember that they were outside of Christ by being a Gentile, and they were dead in sin. But also remember that, look what you have. Look what you have. Now you have a church family. You have a family now. How do you have this family? Because you have peace. Again, the Gentiles and Israelites were called to stay away from each other all over the Old Testament with the battle of the land. The Israelites were to stay away from the Jebusites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Hamites, and the, the, all these people they were told to stay away from. But now God has said, now these people that God told you to stay away from, well, God is going to save people from those different groups now. At this time in, in the New Testament, the Roman world, the Roman Empire was the ruling uh, entity at the time, so we don't have any more Jebusites and Hivites at this time. But for the most part, though, overall, that those that are not Jewish and are considered Gentiles, the Lord is going to say something from them. And they're going to have access to God just like the Jewish people. So the war that they have between each other, between Israel and Gentile, Jesus makes all things new. He makes all things new because he became to be our Peace. Peace means no hostility. No war. Jesus is our peace. We are not at war with him. We are united in him. Because he has reconciled us to himself. But the Jew and the Gentile now are as well. They have what not only of us individuals have peace for God, but also the Jew and Gentile have peace with God. Because Christ has made us both one and has broken down the wall of hostility. The Jew and the Greek couldn't stand each other at a time. But now for the Jew and Greek that are believers, now they can love each other. They can be united together in one body. This isn't something that just happened in the past. This is a continued relationship that God has reconciled us in the past. But guess what? We are continuing to be united together by the power of the Spirit. And even in this room right now, we are testifying of the peace of God. That God has now created one new man in place of two. Because we all are reconciled in Christ, not just the Ephesian believers, but family, we get each other. So we, as a body of Christ, it's encouraging to each other for all of us having each other in Christ. Then he goes on to say in verse 16, and that he might reconcile them both to God and one body through the cross. Thereby putting to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near, for, though, but for through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Family, the gospel, the good news of Christ reconciles us together. That isn't anything that can keep, there's nothing that can keep us apart from each other. That are truly in Christ. If Christ is binding us together, nothing can separate us. Nothing can separate us. Remind me of this, that Romans, in the Romans 8, right? Nothing can separate his people of God. That we are united together in Christ. If you're a true believer family, we are united in Christ forever. All hostility and division was put to death for those in Christ. We are one new people in Christ. That's why rich and poor can be together. Small and tall can be together. Black, Asian, Latina, white can be together. Strong and weak, male and female can be together. Why? Because Christ has set all hostility away, put all hostility away and set us together in Christ for family. Paul tells us that we are male, no more male or female. So some people say, well, not black anymore, not white anymore, not male anymore, not female anymore. I think what Paul in Galatians was getting at is not male and female. What he was saying is that male and female doesn't supersede your Christian identity. I am a male. My wife is a female. But those things are not above the unity in Christ. Those things does not supersede your Christian identity. And us in this room might have a different background. Some might be Irish. Some might be Scottish or Zambian. Laotian. A very different background is this room. That's the beauty of the body of Christ. That we can enjoy our background, but those things, right, doesn't bring hostility. When those things bring hostility, right, that's another gospel. Those things are beautiful with different cultures. Different ethnic groups. But your ethnicity is not over your Christian identity, so I would say though that various background, the beauty of our body of Christ that we can enjoy different culture foods together. We can enjoy wearing things that are different within our cultures, so we can enjoy that, and so we have created an environment is that now being one in Christ that we cannot enjoy. But God, how God has created us to be in a way of, and I'm not saying in a way of the sinful things, but we have cultural differences and things of that nature that we can enjoy different foods and different attires. And those things can be celebrated. The Christian church is made up of people from various different backgrounds, and I can see it in this morning. Emmanuel is just a beautiful church right now. It's a beautiful place to be testimony of testimony, how God has united people together by the, by the gospel. And that church is consisted of different people, tall, small, various ethnicities. And why are we all together? Because of what Christ has done. Amen. And a lot of us have different professions in this world, right Some might be engineers and doctors and things of that nature. Some of us probably never see each other, right? but it's amazing about the gospel that we are all united together for what Christ has done and what he's continuing to do in the people. And so Paul is encouraging them Ephesian Church. That Jew and Gentile, well, we used to be hostile between you guys, now we're made together in Christ. And Paul is a testimony that Paul is still Jewish, right? But he's still, what, a Roman citizen. And he's still, and all of these things are still working itself out. And Paul actually uses these things for his benefit at times. But guess what? Paul doesn't put these things above his Christian identity. And family, I think. Well, I'm going to say I think I know because the word of God says that the body of Christ can be unified together. Family, it's us. It's us and our own preferences that we make idols of that divide the body of Christ. Family, one person I always said is this, that we're nothing but decorated dust. We're decorated dust. That all of us are going to die and go back to the dust. So God has put us together, all types of background together, for His own glory and the beauty of His glory. Why does God give diversity? Because look at it within the Trinity. That what the Father role is, and the Son role, and the Spirit is. We see the diversity is, is is shouted out to us by God Himself. Family, let us enjoy diversity in the body of Christ. This was part of God's plan. It was part of His plan. The brokenness of the past, God has used to bring about the glory of the present and in the inner future. And the last thing as we kind of wrap things up this morning with God's plans was for his people to be a holy people. So, one thing of us is being together, right? Being together at the cookout as a family. But we're not just here together at the cookout with the, at the family. Or we're not just here on a Sunday morning as a family. It's something unique about us. We are a holy people. We know that from here. Look at verse 19. And therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints. The members of the household of God. Now we get a, the uniqueness of these people that are given a peace and reconciliation. These people are not just made right with God and each other, but they are people made to live in, by, well, live in good works. They are part of a new kingdom. At first we were part of a kingdom of this world, but now the new kingdom has come. We are citizens of a new kingdom. We aren't strangers to him anymore. We, we are near to him. we know no longer aliens, but fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God. This household of God is kind of used in the Old Testament for the Israel. But now the Gentiles get this language as well now. The Jew and Gentile makes up this household of God. The Gentiles are citizens with these Jewish believers. And not just any Gentile, Gentile believers. And they made up this household of God. I think we get a taste of this in Romans 11. Let me read a little bit of Romans 11, starting in verse 11 for us. So I ask that they stumble in order that they might fall. By no means, rather through their trespass of salvation, has come to the Gentiles. So to make the Israel jealous, now if their trespasses mean riches for the world, and if their failures mean riches for the Gentiles, how much more would there be full inclusion mean? Verse 13, now I am speaking to you Gentiles, and as much, then as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Verse 16. If though, if the offer that first fruit is holy, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. Last verse 17. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, now share the nourishing root of the olive tree. What is Paul getting at here? The Jewish failures, right, brought about the hope of the Gentiles. Remember this, too, that God is immutable, right? God doesn't change. I mean, this, this is not that he's changing his plan along the way. He's not modifying his plan. This has always been his plan. We just didn't understand his plan. His whole plan from the beginning of time for him to bring Jews and Gentiles together. That was already part of his plan. We just didn't understand his plan. So God is not doing something just different. God has always been saving people by the gospel in the Old Testament the same way he's saving people in the New Testament. Even today, salvation has always been the same. God has always been the same. But for us, as we grow more in Christ, right, we have more, our minds have been enlightening to more of the things of God. God's never changed. It's always been his plan on how he's going to save people. We saw this in Genesis 3.15. Even in yeah, in Genesis 3.15, God promised how the seed of the woman is going to crush the seed of the serpent. But even going and seeing how God brings about this peace when given animal skin to cover Adam and Eve, that God has always been bringing about a plan of redemption. it's been his plan. There's nothing new in this. And so what God is telling them is that the Jews and Gentiles make up the household of God. The Gentile was always part of God's plan, but the steps that brought about the executing this plan was ambiguous. Ambiguous. I can't even say it. I think about a coach in a particular sport telling his team that we're going to win the championship this year. We are going to win the championship this year, because might not he might leave out some detail on how they're going to get to the championship. He might not tell them the weight room is necessary, early morning practices, film, endurance, and training, and many other things. He might leave those things out, but he said, we might just win. He do not say say, might. He said, we're going to win the championship. In a very similar way, we learn more about how God was going to fulfill his plan throughout spiritual revelation as we walk out the Christian life, how God reveals more through his word. Is it like a player, right? He's starting to buy into it. Okay, the weight's going to make me stronger as we play the team on Friday night. Or this training's going to build my endurance for Friday night. And so the player eventually starting to understand. Okay, this is what the coach is getting at to understand the plan. I think for us as believers, how oh God by His gracious Spirit, we start to now understand more His plan because. The promise of sanctification. That all of us grow at different rates, but we all are growing for those in Christ. And this part of this is right here. God revealing, though, is that, hey, the Gentiles are part of this with the Jews. This is not God changing his plan. It's part of the same plan what God has already been said he was going to do. And now we can testify another aspect of this plan with the Gentiles and Jews together in one body and worshiping Jesus. And verse 20 and 22 to 22 tells us this. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple of the Lord. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. So the same house of God is the universal church. Some might even say the invisible church. Old Testament believers and the New Testament believers. It is believed that I've heard the gospel through the prophets. In the Old Testament, right? The prophets have proclaimed the gospel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the rest of the prophets. And sometimes Moses can be considered as a prophet. But throughout the Old Testament, these are the ones that have proclaimed the Old Testament. Now the apostles come in and they claim, proclaim now what God has done through Christ. And so how they work together, this what made this full gospel, what makes up the Old Testament and New Testament believers that makes up the household of God. And the cornerstone that holds us together, the Gentile and Jewish Christ, uh, Jewish church, is Christ. Christ's essence and what he stands for is what makes up the household of God. There are many buildings that have church on them. Many buildings that, that would say they are the household of God. But that building is not built upon Christ. And who Christ is, is not a true building of Christ. The true people of God are the people that resemble the head, which is Christ. So the people that make up the household of God are a people that are holy. People that are set apart. The word holy is, guess at the word anointed or consecrated or sanctified. All come from the Hebrew word kadash. This word is used, I think, around about 500 times throughout the Old Testament. God cares about what is near to him and what represents him. If it doesn't truly resemble or represent him, he would destroy it. And we can see that in the Old Testament. That something that didn't represent him truly, God destroyed him. Besides with the flood. The flood, the whole world went against God. And God set apart Noah and God destroyed him so the Exodus wonderings, right, as uh, the Israelites leaving out and the people of Egypt on the way to try to bring harm. And God destroys them. Picture of Jericho, right, falling down. Family, God cares about his image. And if God gives us this image, right, he gives us all these things we have, family, God wants us to walk into it, walk in it. So the people of God are set apart and walking in holiness. That is an identifying marker of a regenerate believer, of a regenerate people. And God' manifold wisdom is then displayed through the multi-ethnic holy people of God. The gospel reminds that we are a people that must be holy. How would a nation be glad if we aren't taking the gospel to them? Not just by speech, but by our lives. Our lives should should be able to draw people to ask us the question of Peter, of the hope that is in us. When was the last time someone asked you that? The last time you lived your life in a way that they asked you of, why did you hold a door for that person? Or why was you, you know, so kind to this person that treated this particular way? Family, when that happened to us, God is setting us up for the alley right? He's setting us up for us to be able to testify what is happening in us. So, family, our lives, as we live out what God has called us to live, by abandoning to this truth, people are going to see us being a different people, and people are going to ask questions to us. But they will not ask the question, family, we're not different from the world. We must be different. We must be different. With America supposedly being a Christian nation, family, as a Christian nation, as we are leading in abortion, we're leaving with so much divisiveness. Family, if the people are truly holy, we're our example to the nations. So family, true Church of Christ drives out darkness. We don't participate in darkness. We see families restored and communities restored with the gospel. But if we accept unholiness, we don't drive out darkness, we invite darkness in. Another thing we can't show people the hope that is in us if we aren't running or if we are running from the task letters or the woman at the well. And so for us, as we live our Christian lives, we should be able to be an example before the tax collector, before the woman at the well. So, family, we need to be near people that are a little different from us. So, Jesus ministered to the woman at the well. Jesus ministered to the tax collector. Family, we can't be afraid of sinners, but we should be quick to share with them the greatness of news what God has given to us. So, family, are we running from Sinners? Well, turn it around. What if people ran from you with the gospel? What if we didn't hear the gospel? Where would we be? Right? But God have used those to proclaim the gospel before us. And all of us that are believers in this room, we can testify what God has done for us. So family, let us not be selfish and keep this good news to ourselves. But let our lives be a proclamation of the gospel, how we live. And let our speech be a proclamation of the gospel. And as we do that, the Jews and Gentiles come to worship together. Let's end with a couple of applications. Remember that us that are believing Gentiles we're not a part of the ethnic Israel, believing Israel. But God saved us. Spend your life in thankfulness. That the union we get in Christ surpasses everything. Spend your life in thankfulness. But also the union we have with each other is the closest union we can compare to. Outside of the, the union with Christ, the Father, and the Spirit, family, we have the union with Christ and each other. Just cherish that. Let's cherish that union. Let us be happy to see each other on the Lord's Day. I know some of you might run from each other, right? But for the most part, family, we should be excited to see each other. Because family, we don't have each other. What do we have outside of Christ? Another thing I question is, how are you cultivating your union with Christ, or your union with each other? Ways to cultivate is spending time with each other more outside of the Lord's Day. God, take brothers with you to, to the store to pick up the supplies. And a lot of times we want to get in and get out. What does it mean to call other brothers up in the church? Say, hey, you're going to rob me one day. Rob me. And better learn. And older men, you can be able to disciple in the way of young men, picking them up. And you don't just have to take your sons. Take other young men in the church. Ladies, invite other ladies to join you to get groceries. What does it mean to walk around and just catching up with each other? Stay at home mom. Meet up at the zoo, the park. Have play dates with other people that are part of the body of Christ. Cause family, we need each other. God has given us each other. Let's pour into each other. And the last thing I want to say here, remember that the Christian church is not made up of people from very, remember the church is now made up of people from very different uh, backgrounds and generations. So be willing to learn and enjoy other cultural things. Anything that goes against the gospel is sin. I'm not talking about those things. It's other things that you can enjoy with each other. And how's it going to start, fam? Family is that we have to be willing to die to self. Be willing to die to self. I know you make the best apple pie, but this sister right here might have a different dish dish. What does it mean to die to self? Say, I want to try something out that I never had before. Those small practical things, What makes up the beauty of the body of Christ. And family, as we do this, let us be a holy people in the midst of this. Let me pray for us. Lord God, we thank you for your goodness, we thank you for your mercy, thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for each other in this room. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you for you, Lord, have died for us. That when we were sinners, Lord, when we were sinners, Lord, you still loved us. Let us walk into that. Let us here, Emmanuel, Lord, be a testimony of the light of the gospel, Lord, to the apartments next door, to the house down the street, to our co workers. To our friends, let us be a faithful people, Lord, before them. And Lord, we're not, Lord, we're not able to do this apart from your spirit. So Lord, let your spirit dwell in us richly. And I pray also, Lord, for those in here, Lord, that are not believers, that have heard, Lord, the good news of God, how you save sinners. I pray that, Lord, you stir up, Lord, and you bring them from death to life. Save sinners here today, Lord. Lord, we ask you to bless the rest of this Lord's Day, and let it be all for your glory. In Christ, let me pray. Amen.